Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 248 for June 14th, 2022, Flag Day. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On today's show, after an off-season of uncertainty, the CFL kicked off the 2022 regular season this past weekend, and with one week left in the USFL season, the playoff matchups are already set. In this week's history lesson, we tell the story of Niall Kinnick, the only Heisman Trophy winner to die while serving in the military. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son Adam. As we were talking about uh, before we hit the record button, uh, wow, two weeks and we'll have episode 250. Yeah. Or more accurately, I will be at episode 250 and you will be stuck at 249. So There it is. Yep. Hey, seniority has its benefits, even on a podcast, everybody. <laughs> We so can... what are you going to do to celebrate my 250th episode? Gee, I don't know, son. Um, what would you like? Uh, I want a big old cake uh, with a, a 250 uh-huh. uh, and, you know, 250 candles to blow out live on the show because, you know, it's an audio podcast. Everybody wants to hear that. Uh-huh. Um, wow, you're going to let me keep going. Yeah, okay, just, I'll keep, ta- just keep on talking, son. You know what? I'll take lion season tickets. Oh, God. Um. Boy, How about can... I get, just get us tickets to the USFL championship game in a couple weeks? Wow. I mean, if you want to be a cheapskate about it, sure. Hey, those tickets aren't cheap. 20 bucks a piece? Yeah, right. No, they're 40. Oh. 40 for the good ones. Oh, we're going to get And we're going to get the good ones. Are we going to get the uh, box uh, <laughs> box seats? The shrimp cocktail are going to flow like wine. <laughs> <laughs> More clams, Sivu play. <laughs> Clam me, bud. All right, we come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football, while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. So, let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football Scoreboard. Oh, the scoreboard is extra stuff because, everybody, it is the return of the Canadian Football League's regular season, and we all couldn't be excited about it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot Thursday night when they played their first game Totally went by my, you know, past my radar because I was, uh, what did I do? I went to the movies Thursday night. Mm. That's what it was. And then I had a vacation day the next day. So I was really busy over the weekend. So I missed all the CFL action. But thank goodness we have uh, my partner in crime to do all that research for us, you know. I mean, with me having the seniority I do, I don't have to do all this research. I didn't watch the game either because I was scanning through our uh, satellite dish and it's supposed to be on all the different uh, ESPN networks. Right. And I looked, and it wasn't on anyone. I knew it was going to be on uh, ESPN, Plus. ESPN Plus, like it was last year. And I just uh, didn't my, feel my like laptop firing was it upstairs. Up. I was downstairs. I didn't feel like, uh, yeah. but I did. I did check out a few uh, uh, highlights on my phone yeah. here and there. Uh, checked in with the games, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I really didn't watch a whole lot of it. But I'm very happy that the league is back. Oh, we all And are. I do plan to. Well, well, and of course, the Toronto Argonauts were on by the first week, right. so that's my favorite team. So I, you know, just uh, wasn't. Totally into it, but I'm so glad that the CFL is back for a full season this year and uh, can't wait to maybe go to a game in Toronto also this year. We can only hope, but let's start with the scores. Thursday night, the Calgary Stampeders defeated the Montreal Alouettes 30-27, to a real close game there. Rene Paredes kicked a 38-yard field goal with 33 seconds left to seal that one up for the Stampeders. Hey, good way to start your season, you know, a nice... You know, close affair that comes down to the last 33 seconds of the game. What more could you want yeah. to open a season? Yeah, I saw that highlight, and uh, uh, you know, it just sounds like it was a pretty good game to, to go to. That one and the next game were very yes. close this this opening weekend. Yeah, so that was Thursday night. Then Friday night, we had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the defending Grey Cup <laughs> champions. Sorry, the defending two-time Grey Cup champions. That's right. Yeah, I'm back to defeat back. the Ottawa Red Blacks by the score of 19 to 17. This was a close one as well. Yeah. And again, it came down to the kicker as kicker Mark uh, Legio. Legio connected on a 25-yard field goal with six seconds to play uh, to get the win for the defending two-time champs. So two games in a row, not a bad start to yep. the CFL season. Yep. You know, Pretty Very close game. games. 
Uh, and then Saturday's doubleheader, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders cruised by the Hamilton Tiger Cats 30-13. to 13. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, the British Columbia Lions apparently uh, had to wait for the Edmonton Elks get off the, to get off the bus because that <laughs> final score ended up being 59-15 to 15 in favor oh, of those man. Lions. The Lions just decimated the Elks. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, that's, uh, that doesn't speak well for the Elks this year. Uh, hopefully they can get past this and, uh, you know, uh, start winning some games. But boy. They've, had a, they've had a rough couple bad. of seasons. I mean, they it have. has nothing to do with the name change. I mean, I like the new digs yep. uh, that the team's got. But, yeah, I, uh, they got some stuff to figure out there in Edmonton if they want to, you know, be competitive this season. I'm sure they'll get things turned oh, around. I'm sure. Usually it's so later. early in the CFL season. We've seen teams start off kind of rough and turn it around. So we'll see what happens. But that's got to be demoralizing. Week one and you lose 59 to 15. Yeah, and oh, I believe what man. was it? You said that it, uh, it was uh, the most points scored in an opening game yes. in CFL history yes. for the regular season. Yep, that came from Tim Capper. He uh, he threw that out there uh, because he thought it was, but he wasn't positive, and he got uh, confirmation of that from a, uh, a league statistician that, yes, that was the most points ever scored in an opening weekend so, uh, by a CFL that's team. That's crazy. Yep. And then, of course, as Randy already mentioned, on by this week, the Toronto Argonauts, uh, and their first game will be next week, Thursday, against the Montreal Alouettes, which will be in Toronto. So yep. on the lookout for that. Yep. All right, moving on. It was uh, week nine of the USFL season. We had doubleheaders on Saturday and Sunday. So on Saturday, the New Jersey Generals got by the Michigan Panthers 25-23, to another close loss for the Panthers. I watched a little bit of this game because yeah. I saw it was on live, and I, I watched a little bit. They threw bit another uh, double and, pass for oh, a touchdown. Well, that I didn't catch, but while I was actually watching this game, uh, Michigan was ahead. You know, I, I think I watched them take the lead by a couple of points, and then I was surprised later on to find out that they actually lost this game. But that's been Michigan's uh, M.O. all season long. Yeah. They they play well, they keep it close, but somehow they just find a way to lose every yeah. week. Sounds like the Lions. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Saturday's d- second game of the doubleheader, the Houston Gamblers defeated the Birmingham Stallions. That's right, 17-15, to giving the Stallions their first Loss of the season. How yeah. about that, Houston? So, so close to posting a perfect season. Right. <laughs> uh, way to ruin that for them. Yep. Uh, and then on Sunday, the New Orleans Breakers defeated the Tampa Bay Bandits 17-6. to And with that win, it helped the Breakers earn the final playoff spot for the USFL playoffs in yep. two weeks. Yep. Um, and then the final game on Sunday, the Philadelphia Stars defeated the Pittsburgh Maulers 17-16, to while uh, Ramiz Ahmed kicked a 59-yard field goal for the Maulers. Uh, during that game, uh, he also was the kicker who had the 61-yarder last week. So yeah. three straight weeks of a 60-yard field goal, a 61, now a 59. Yep. Hey, these two kickers, you know, for yeah, Michigan well, and the yeah, well, uh, yeah the 60-yarder was by the by uh, the Panthers kicker. Yep. And uh, so the two worst teams in the league got the best kickers. <laughs> so that's my takeaway from that. <laughs> yeah, and then the, this guy uh, uh, Ahmed kicks uh, 59 and a 61 in back-to-back weeks. Right. Wow. So a heck, a heck of a leg that dude's got. Yep. All right, and then looking at the standings uh, going into the final week of the season, uh, in the North, uh, obviously we talked about the, the New Jersey Generals clinching a playoff spot, eight and one, uh, followed by the Philadelphia Stars clinching their spot, six and three. The Michigan Panthers and Pittsburgh, Michigan Panthers and Pittsburgh Maulers, one and eight apiece going into that final week mm-hmm. out of the playoffs. Yep. On the South side, uh, the Birmingham Stallions with their first loss still hold the, the number one seed there in the South with an eight and one record. Followed by the New Orleans Breakers at six and three, who we said clinched. The Tampa Bay Bandits at four and five, and then the Houston Gamblers at two and seven. Obviously, both eliminated. Yeah, so that that sets up the playoff matchups already. Yeah. We know that the playoffs in the first round in the North it's going to be New Jersey versus Philadelphia, and in the South it's going to be Birmingham and New Orleans. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure what the schedule is next week. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure there'll be any repeat games. Season. You know, if Birmingham's going to play New Orleans or how that's going to work, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but. Yeah. We'll see. We just got to go through one more week of meaningless games just to get to the postseason. Yep. All right. Have you bought, bought those tickets yet for the championship? Not yet. Oh, I'm still thinking week. about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> get on it. All right. I've been uh, busy. Week 14 of the Indoor Football League. We had several games all on Saturday night. What do we got there? Seven games? Uh, six games. Six games. Six games on Saturday night, starting with the Vegas Nighthawks defeating the San Diego Strike Force 49-23. to the defending champion Massachusetts Pirates defeat the Green Bay Blizzard 48 to 30. The Sioux Falls Storm got the win over the Bismarck Bucks 49 to 44 in a close game. The Frisco Fighters escaped the Duke City Gladiators 47 to 46. How about that? Is another yeah. close game. 
the Northern Arizona Wranglers defeated the Arizona Rattlers 37-34 to to be the first team to clinch a playoff spot this mm. year. Uh, I definitely saw that, and that, okay. that makes them the number one seed overall, and we'll talk about those standings in a little yeah. bit. Um, and then the Tucson Sugar Skulls defeated the Bay Area Panthers 58-33. to And then on by this week, the Quad City Steamwheelers and Iowa Barnstormers. All right. So going to the IFL standings in the East, it's the Frisco Fighters at ten and two, followed by the Massachusetts Pirates at eight and four, the Sioux Falls Storm at seven and five, the Iowa Barnstormers at six and five, Quad City Steamwheelers at six and six, the Green Bay Blizzard at five and eight, and the Bismarck Bucks rounding out the East with a three and ten record. Oh, and then the West, the Northern Arizona Wranglers sit at the top solely with a <laughs> ten and two record, followed by. And uh, by the way, clinching that playoff spot, as we mentioned, uh, the Arizona Rattlers with a nine and three record uh, in second place. Then all the way in third place, the Tucson Sugar Skulls at six and five. So we're back to having the Arizona teams dominating the yep, top of the all, West. All three Arizona teams. The Duke City Gladiators at six and six. The Vegas Nighthawks at five and seven. The San Diego Strike Force at two and ten. And the Bay Area Panthers at one and eleven. Hmm. All right. Uh, let me continue here. Uh, the champ. Champions Indoor Football that was was round one of the playoffs, and it was the number three Billings Outlaws defeating the number six Wyoming Mustangs by the score of 49-40. to 40. In the other game, it was the number four Omaha Beef defeating the number five Southwest Kansas Storm 27-21. to 21. Kind of a low-scoring affair there, yeah. and not even 30 points uh, for either team. So uh, that sec- sets up the semifinal round for next week where... The two teams that had buys are going to be hosting the winners from this week. So it's going to be the number one seeded Sioux City Bandits hosting the number four Omaha Beef. And the Salina Liberty will be hosting the number three Billings Outlaws. I was really happy that they had those scores right up there and, and uh, you know, I didn't have to search around for them or yeah, anything. We to get on top of it finally. Well, you know, with only two games to, yeah, know, of scores to put They would have screwed that up. Yeah. So I was happy about that. All right. So. So, yeah, we got the uh, first round out of the way, and we're going to the semifinals in the CIF next week. Moving on to the National Arena League. This was week eight for them. One game on Friday, two games on Saturday. In the Friday night contest, it was the Columbus Lions over the Carolina Cobras, 55-28. to On Saturday, it was the Jacksonville Sharks over the Orlando Predators, 45-34. to and uh, finally on Saturday, it was the San Antonio Gunslingers defeating the Albany Empire 59-56. to And this was the first win of the season and in franchise history for the San Antonio Gunslingers. Good for them. That was a close game, too. And over the 56. number two team in the league. And yeah. Dang. Yep. So, yeah. They've been close a couple times. Yeah. Oh, they've been real close. Yep. But they just, you know, like the Michigan Panthers, they just can't seem to, to secure a win at the end of the game. But they did this week, and uh, good for them. So looking at the National Arena League standings, the Carolina Cobras are at 6-2, and two, the Albany Empire at 4-3, and three, Jacksonville Sharks at 4-4, four and four, Columbus Lions at 3-3, three and three, Orlando Predators at 3-4, and four, and the San Antonio Gunslingers improved to 1-5. and five. And one other score of note, uh, last week was the first weekend of the X-League, which is the rebranding of the former Legends Football League or the Lingerie Football League. Uh, They only had one game that weekend, but uh, it was the Chicago Blitz, stealing that name from the old USFL, over the Kansas City Force 40-34 to in overtime. I don't know if we're going to cover their scores every week, but this was the first week. They only had one game, so I thought I would throw them in there. So the X-League is back running also this year. Uh, they've been off for a couple of years, I think, since 2019. And that is it for this week's World of Football scoreboard. Mm-hmm. So let's get into some NFL news here. The first item here is Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup signs a three-year contract extension worth up to $80 million. And he's going to be with the Rams now through 2026. Well-deserved. I mean, who oh, yeah. better than the Super Bowl MVP, the guy that won the Triple Crown last yeah. year, uh, set all kinds of records uh, to get that co- contract extension. He basically uh, deserves that. I mean, there's a lot of people that maybe deserve a contract extension for having good seasons, but if he didn't get some kind of reward for last season, uh, that would have been a travesty. Cooper so, Cup. I mean, Cooper him. Cup has been an amazing, you know, wide receiver the last couple of seasons. I think having Matthew Stafford, not not as opposed to Jared Goff, because I think Jared Goff still, you know, obviously Cup still performed, but. 
I think having Matthew Stafford opened up a lot of different oh, yeah. opportunities for Cup. Yep. Uh, just a different set, you know, set of skills. But you know, yeah, Cup was amazing, and I'm not taking away from his contract. My only critique with this is, how in the heck are the Rams getting away with this? <laughs> I mean, seriously, all the money they've been throwing at Aaron Donald, yeah, Matthew yeah. Stafford, uh, Jalen Ramsey, just those four guys alone. It, should cost an entire franchise. Yeah. And somehow, I don't know what kind of cap magic they're working. Does the cap even exist? They, <laughs> in I, Los Angeles? I, well, I think the NFL, they need to tighten down on some of these cap restrictions because they're doing a lot of this you know, maneuvering and magic with the salary cap. That's why I'm always so fascinated when we talk about salary cap stuff because there's something there. There's some sort of magic that's being done, You know, throwing money down, down the road to mm-hmm. get away with a lot of this stuff. So right. money they're never going to pay out. Money you know? they may never pay out. Like I mean, it's a fun number to look at, but I mean, boy, it's just I, I get a little iffy at some of these because I'm like, how is a team getting away with this? Like, well, not this, that it all, always translates to win. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. They've, right. They've done this for years. It seems like, and right. they haven't had a Super Bowl to show for it. Well, this this sort of thing is a short term um, uh, process because when you throw that much money at this few players in a short amount of time it's going to be bad for the team in the long run. But I think they're just looking at, you know, yeah, they, they signed Stafford last, last year because they knew that he would probably lead them to a Super Bowl, and he did. So yeah. now they're keeping the core in, in place, hoping to get back-to-back Super Bowls. I think, they, I, think, hey, they're, I think their plan is at least three or four years of dominance. Right. And, I and know then I, it's all going to fall apart. It could. It could all fall apart. Or who knows, maybe with this salary cap manipulation, once they get to the end of those, maybe they can, oh, we don't have to pay any of this, and then, like, start for Like, it's going to be crazy how, how and if they get away with this. Or... Will we actually see the uh, terrible Mount Vesuvius type <laughs> results at the end of the tunnel? That is what I'm curious about because, like, this could all come crashing down in a fiery, burning hellscape, you know, mm. before we know it. And I want to kind of see it because who who doesn't like a great, you know, seeing a car accident? You know, everybody stops and stares. But with this, I gotta know: does this salary cap maneuvering? eventually make it so that when the, we get to that point in four or five years, are the Rams just going to be one of the worst teams ever? They're not going to be able to sign anybody. They're going to have to go back to drafting players. They, they don't draft players. They don't, yeah, they don't have any draft picks for a couple of years. <laughs> Detroit's got all their draft picks. For well, first a couple round of their anyway. draft picks. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Rams. I just, I'm flabbergasted at how they've gotten away with some of this and why are there not more teams doing this? Otherwise, you would feel like we'd be seeing these big contracts left and right. And it does feel like we see some guys, but... I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Well, I keep going back to the fact that uh, several years ago, the Lions had, you know, eighty percent of their uh, team uh, uh, salary going to Matthew Stafford and Dominican Sue yep, yep. and um, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Those three made up eighty percent. So all the rest of the people on the team were making bare minimum almost. Uh, so and how yeah, many so, Super Bowls did the Lions have to yeah, show for? That, that that just doesn't work. Technically, when you, just two because when you, uh, Sue and. Uh, uh, Stafford both got Super Bowl oh, rings yeah. at some point. So, but yeah, this this is like I said, a, a short term fix. They're just trying to keep the team together, maybe get one or two more Super Bowl wins in their history, and then they're going to be in a whole new rebuilding process, uh, probably after Stafford's uh, retired, coming back to Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> as a coach, now he'll he'll quarterback. Coach. He'll sign that one day contract with Detroit, and I'll be so happy. Yeah, but I probably will. I hope so. Yeah, remember years ago when Eddie Murray did that? No, I don't. Yeah, I, he came back and he signed a one-day contract to retire as a Detroit Lion. Then he went out and signed with another team and played three or four more years in the NFL. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Moving on here. The Denver Broncos have been sold for $4.65 billion. Uh, no new, longer speculation like yep. we, we had last yeah, week. Yeah, well, we, last week we were saying it was going to be $4.5 million and you know, it was just a B. Don't forget bill, the B. Billion, yeah. So we didn't know for sure, and then it came out that, yes, it's it's basically a done deal now. <clears throat> so the new ownership group consists of Walmart heir Bob Walton, his daughter Carrie Walton-Penner, her husband Greg Penner, and a lady by the name of Melody Hobson, who's the chairman of the board of Starbuck Corporation and a director at J.P. Morgan Chase Financial Oof. Company. So the, these people know about they money. They know business. They know how to handle their money. <laughs> So the Broncos are now the fifth most valuable franchise in the NFL behind the Dallas Cowboys at $6.5 billion. The New England Patriots at a mere $5 billion. The New York Giants at $4.85 billion. 
and the Los Angeles Rams at $4.8 billion. Yeah, like I always look forward to that list every year when we talk about the most yep. valuable franchise. And now to see the Denver Broncos, I'd love to know what they were last year. you got to pull that out so yeah, we can I don't compare know. it. I'd have to go back and see. Either that or go back and listen to it and write down some of those takeaways. <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember what. Or hurry and look it up now, and then we'll have it ready for next week's show. Yeah, well, we'll see. Or whenever they come out with that list. Because I'm so curious where they jump up. Maybe you should start keeping a spreadsheet of that. Because... Hmm. I don't know how big of a jump this is, but I would say they had to have gone from the at least the double digits. Like they were in the tens, maybe fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure range. they jumped right up there. So I'm very curious about that. But hey, congratulations, Denver! You got solid ownership. It sounds like, and that's all we want as fans of a team. Just give me solid ownership that's not gonna, you know, run it into the ground like the Ford family might have. But no, I'm hey Sheila, I'm giving you the benefit of. The, Benefit of the doubt. Sheila, I think, is start really trying to turn things around. What well, didn't you see? Uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, Dan Campbell was quoted as saying he wish wishes she would be more involved uh, in some of the decisions. He said, you know, she's she's done real well about not uh, meddling with with the coaches and this and that. But he almost says, I kind of wish she would make a few more inputs uh, from time to time because she's got some good ideas and. You know, so so he's calling for his owner to be more meddling. My God, why don't you just go to the Cowboys and uh, work there for a while and see? If I you think there's a fine feel line, that same way and I'm sure the way Sheila's been running things, we'll figure it out. But we're not talking about Sheila today. But let's move on. <laughs> okay. Sheila, another time we will talk about her. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Drew Brees will not be returning to NBC this season. We knew that. Uh, he's he's not sure what he's going to be doing next. Uh, but former Cowboy coach Jason Garrett is going to replace. Breeze at NBC. Now, Drew Breeze was not only doing NFL games. I don't know if he was on the Thursday night or. or he was doing night. the Sunday night uh, stuff. But he was also doing uh, Notre Dame games on Saturday. Mm. So uh, I guess he's not going to be doing those either. And it just it just seems weird that he's calling it quits after one year. Now there was talk a few weeks ago that he was going to go back to playing for the New Orleans Saints. You know, after being off for a year and doing the the whole uh, in the booth thing, but. He doesn't know what he's going to do next. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what he does do. Yeah. Is he going to land with another uh, network, you know? or I don't know. From what I heard, uh, people aren't happy with his turn as a broadcaster. Hmm. So uh, who knows if – I th- I think I read somewhere. Somebody said he's got one shot left. Hmm. And if he screws it up, you know, nobody's going to want to have him as a – which I think is weird. I mean, it's Drew Brees. I, think, I don't know if we talked about yeah. this before, but just crazy to me. I mean – I respect the heck out of Drew Brees as a player uh, and some of his insight. I'm not going to sit here and critique one year of him being in the broadcast, but it takes years to well, yeah, it's, to mold into a, a great broadcast. Nobody's good right off the bat. Except I, for I don't know. every once in a great while, you'll get your Tony Romos, who just all of a sudden come out of left field and just right. blow you away. Or Peyton Manning and Eli right. just with their Manning cast. Like, who would have thought that? Well, that even would... that, the first couple of ones weren't that good. But, no, it I mean, took over the course of, of a season, yeah, they got to work out. To figure out what that shtick was. That's Because that's not exactly what, like, Drew Brees would be doing. Like, the actual general, you know, just typical play-by-play like a Tony Romo would do. I think, right. like, Tony Romo kind of had his own unique flair at first and it kind of caught on with him predicting plays and stuff. And I'd say he's an adequate broadcaster. Now, he's a, definitely a top two or three uh, pairing when it comes to the broadcasting team I'd want to hear. I mean, well, it just goes to show you that you might be a great uh, player. You know, you could you can win all the uh, all the Super Bowls. You know, Tom Brady is supposed to go to the booth the minute he retires. There's no guarantee that Brady's going to be any good at it. Oh, um, I, I I could probably say he's going to be great at it. I don't know. You, Tom, you, Tom you, you never got, can tell. I, it's it is hard to tell, but what, I think you, it's easier to tell when certain people have. Um, not social media presence, because Tom's got that. I don't, I've never thought of Drew Brees as a social media presence, but you know Tom Brady has always kind of been that quick-witted, got his social – I don't know if it's his social media team or what, but he's always – like he even put something up today. Uh, I forget what it is, but I saw that and I was like, how does Tom Brady do this time in and time out? Just like these quick witticisms out on uh, – I think it was a video of him. I don't know if he was golfing or what, but they did the 360 camera under his hat, mm. and he called it the Peyton vision because it made his forehead look huge. So, <laughs> so Tom, come on, Tom Brady's got, he's got it. Well, his wife. I would be more surprised if he failed. If he his was bad wife at it. is a supermodel, so of course she's well versed in the art of Facebook. Twitter, probably. She pr- Instagram. He probably learned you know, a lot from her, yeah, her, her social probably, media team. She's teams. probably right back there working on his stuff and uh, you know getting him to, to look better you know on social media. Maybe it's taken him years. I mean, look, at he's, he's built TB12. 
I think he's become a decent businessman. And then I think over the last few years, he's become more of, and I think especially getting out of New England, he's become more of a social media like icon. Like mm-hmm. everybody already know who Tom Brady was. He was the greatest quarterback right. of all time. Then he goes to Tampa Bay. And I think that just kind of opened up his, I can be me now. Like I'm not stifled in this culture in New England. Not that it's terrible being there, but it's, you know, it's a little harder to be yourself there because you're so focused, you know, as part yeah. of that organization. He and Bel- Belichick were both alpha personalities, and they just kind of clashed. And now he's he doesn't need to fight yeah. his coach. He already to, got his coach fired or, or <laughs> got his coach sat down. So yeah. who knows? But, hey, I think Tom Brady will be fine. But, again, the story's not about Tom Brady. Yeah. The, All right, let's bring the tangent back. Go, going back to my point, just because you're a good player and you've been around the or game coach. for a long time doesn't mean you're going to be good in the booth. You have to learn right. that. So good and, luck to Jason Garrett. I yeah. think Garrett is an interesting football personality. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's the my first choice, yeah. but maybe he'll bring something to it, or maybe he'll just bring you the right amount of insight that we need. Like, not going to take it too far, but he's not going to, like, just be a wet blanket. You know, yeah. I think he'll have a little bit of personality. And being a Dallas Cowboys head coach... I don't know if that helps or not, but that seems to be a good trend. If you were a Dallas Cowboys coach or player, there's something about that atmosphere that really lends to you know, bo- you know I, pushing into a booth. I would like to see uh, Garrett do a Cowboys game. What? How is he going to be when he's doing a Cowboys game? That, it'll be interesting. That I mean, be very interesting. Think of it between uh, was it not Greg Olson because Greg Olson was a tight end with uh, was it just didn't Jason Witten do a little bit in the booth? Yes, Cowboys for, for a year. There and then you he go. Went, then he went back in the to booth. football. Michael Irvin out on uh, doing NFL, NFL stuff, yep. NFL Network stuff. Uh, Deion Sanders at one point. Yep. Uh, Troy Aikman still doing it. Yep. Tony Romo out there doing it. Yep. Now you're gonna have Jason Garrett out there doing. it. Jimmy Johnson's been doing. There's something about that <laughs> Cowboys culture, all those alpha personalities they bring in. Mm. I don't know what it is that helps translate to being great on camera. Maybe it's the starlight that Jerry Jones was pushing on all of them. Yeah, they all look at him and go, oh, so that's how I do it. Okay. Or not to do it. So <laughs> I th- maybe Jason Garrett will surprise us, and you know, maybe he'll be a great fit. So good luck to him. We shall see. Job. Yeah, good luck. All right, uh, Detroit Lions defensive lineman John Panasini has retired from football after just two seasons Due some is- due to some issues with his shoulders, they said he had uh, calcium deposits mm. on his shoulders. Yeah. And uh, one thing I read said they were the size of softballs. Wow, uh, that much calcium buildup, and uh, so he's decided uh, to call it a career. And uh, he played junior college at our favorite community college, Snow Community College in Utah, and then uh, he went on to play at the University of Utah. He was a sixth-round pick in 2020 by the Lions. He played in 32 games and started 12 of them for Detroit. So I was uh, sorry to, to see him retire, but, you know, a man's health comes first. and uh, Anybody's health should come yeah. before your sport or yep. your job. Yep. So I think kudos to him. You know, being a 25-year-old right and, and having to come to, with that decision. Like, well, I, I love the game of football, but my health means so much, and yeah. I, I just got to step away from it. So that's tough. It's commendable. And I can't, you know, you might get some of the super hardcore fans are like, oh, he gave up. You could play through that or you could get a surgery and deal with that. Like, how tough are you? Nah, man. Like, I think we're finally in an age where, like, that kind of mentality has really, really been uh, knocked out of, I think, the sports fan mindset. But, you know, hey, when I saw this, I was a little shocked. Right. But it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. But, hey, dude's got to do what he's got to do. I commend him. And as a Lions fan, we thank you for two seasons, and I wish nothing for the best for the dude. And I hope maybe the Lions find a way to keep him as part of the organization, whether it be just like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of degree he had in college. Yeah, I but know. I'd love to see him stay somehow connected to the team. And if that's not something he wants, and I hope he, you know, good luck with whatever endeavors he goes to next. Yeah, well, he'll just start his uh, coaching career a little bit early. Uh, maybe oh. he can go down and be, become the head coach at Snow Community College in uh, Ephraim, Utah, and start out there and work his way up to other college teams and maybe uh, – an NFL assistant job there somewhere. Who knows? But good luck. Yeah, uh, I think you're. I think you're making the right decision. You know, you're when you're deciding on your health. Uh, that's not ever the wrong. There, it's always the right decision. It's not wrong. Okay, uh, NFL Network uh, is going to air 22 preseason games live this preseason, including the game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. Oh yeah, single, single out our team. Yeah. Great. Now everybody gets to see our crappy preseason. <laughs> preseason means nothing. It does mean nothing, but man, it's... I really enjoyed going to preseason games when I discovered going to a preseason game because 
I didn't care if they won or not. It didn't matter. I was just there to see some new players, you know, check out this new wide receiver we just drafted or this lineman. How are they going to do? And so you're looking at the game differently when you go to a preseason game. Oh, yeah, you look at it very differently, uh, especially because I just see this is just crap football. This game don't mean nothing. <laughs> some of these guys aren't even trying. I'll give it to some of the second or third, you know, second, third, or fourth oh, stringers yeah. who are trying to make it on the yep. team. They and play really hard. especially this year with the Lions being on hard knocks, maybe I'll care a little bit more about our preseason. Mm-hmm. But – it's just, I think over the years, I've cared less and less. It used to take us to preseason games. Mm-hmm. and Been to a few. And I think maybe at the time I was like, oh, yeah, I like going to these. But now I'm more like, I, I never want to go to a preseason game. I don't want to waste my money on a game that means nothing in terms of standings or where the team's yes, going. But, but for years, I would go to a Lions game, and I would drive home totally upset Miserable, depressed because they lost. You're gonna do that after for the a rest preseason game. Hey, we lost by 50 points in the preseason. Oh well. Hey, do we want to stop for pizza at Buddy's Pizza on the way home? Now sure, hold let's on. Do that. I've seen you get very upset after a preseason game. Oh, come coming on. home from, or actually going back to the hotel after an Indianapolis Lions preseason game down in Indianapolis, mind you, <laughs> getting lost at night on all those highways. <laughs> well, yeah, that was. I don't think the loss helped it at all. And the fact that they the had, a Beatles, had nothing to do and with the it. fact I, that they had a Beatles light show got, after the game didn't I help got, either. I got lost, and those were back in the days before GPS, so I had no way of yeah, finding your, my way around. Your GPS was your eight-year-old son and your yeah. five-year-old daughter. Well, she was asleep in the back seat. She didn't know what was going on. But oh man, I was I was seriously lost, and I could not find my way back to the hotel in the dark. All right, uh, let's see what it's. Oh, last item here on the NFL. Little Caesars has now been officially announced as the official pizza of the NFL, replacing Pizza Hut. You sent me that, so I knew I you did. wanted to add that to I the run. I did. I, I, I no prefer real... Little Caesars to Pizza Hut I know Hut you myself. do. I, of the two, I mean, I only think of Little Caesars now is connected to, you know, they sponsored the new Red Wings Pistons Arena over right. in Detroit. Right. It's a Michigan. Are they Michigan based? They their headquarters is in Detroit. That's where they got their start. So at. that that's something else that I was like, that's kind of interesting because they're they're Michigan based. Um, they're going to have a big presence during the NFL draft. I'll bet you. Oh boy! Oh, because now of, for sure. Because of being I swear to God, if we and go and there is not a Little Caesars pizza cannon <laughs> or some sort of like thing where they drop pizza slices out of the sky, I will be very upset. <laughs> I'm but sure. they got a couple years to figure that out. I don't care. Just shoot a piece of pizza at my face. Um, but <laughs> I I don't know. I I definitely, in terms of quality, I think this is a step back. Well, but uh, hey, whatever. Pizza Hut's been there for a long time. I mean, pizza always, has Pizza Hut has. Pizza I always liked you know every once in a while going to Pizza Hut and getting those cool NFL boxes. Mm, uh, yep. But hey, Little Caesars has done some cool promotions with their. Uh, food like they did the Batman, the movie that came out in March. Mm-hmm. They did like a special the Batman pizza. They did you know it's nice. It was a really cool uh, pizza box with the Batman incorporated into it. I don't think I saved a box, but you well, saw the box. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, from that little article that you sent me the, mm-hmm. about this, uh, it did not say how much they paid for the rights to be the official. Oh, pizza. it has to be ungodly. Well, wasn't the uh, wasn't Papa John's the official pizza for a while or two? I th- they think they were for a couple years, and then it went to Pizza Hut, and now it's... Uh, Little Caesars. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, everybody I'm not gets a, a chance. I'm not the pizza sponsor <laughs> of uh, history person for the NFL. I'm sure there's a guy out there who keeps track of that stuff. Oh, sure. But it's yeah. not me. Uh, all I know is, I think Little Caesars, in terms of quality, is a bit of a step down from Pizza Hut. Not that Pizza Hut was all that high a bar. Anyway, I'm sure everybody's got a local establishment that is superior, like how we got... Uh, or Bellies, which I think is the superior pizza place in the uh, state. Uh, but that's just me. Um, but I know you would pick a Buddy's Pizza or something along those lines. Uh, maybe. You know, we used to stop at a Buddy's Pizza, which is a Detroit-based uh, do Detroit Detroit uh, yeah. pizza chain. And uh, we'd stop there at one in Dearborn on the way home. I remember one time we went to a game at Ford Field, and I got us three hot dogs and three Cokes, and it cost us $30. Yep. You know, 10 bucks each for, yeah. a, for a drink or whatever. Typical for a football game. Right. And so on our way home, we stopped at a buddy's pizza, and we got a big pizza and three drinks for like $17. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you, buddy's pizza. <laughs> buddy's was the best. And now we've got one right here in Kalamazoo. And you don't even go to and it. And we've never gone to it. <laughs> I've gone to it more than you have. Gosh. Well, we used to go to Sonic and Fort Wayne and, and other places, and now we've got one here in Kalamazoo, and I hardly ever go there. You I know mean, what? I do, but it's not Do like, you want to get pizza after this? I don't know. Little Caesars and no and no no Sonic. heck no we just talk about buddies what are you talking about <laughs> buddies pizza I I got stuff cooking in the oven oh so don't my worry gosh about it. but uh, maybe maybe one of these days we'll uh, 
we'll get. Of course, the Buddy's Pizza here in town started during the pandemic, so it was like takeout only. Yeah, I've I've only gone there. Let's say I think I've sat in the Buddy's Pizza twice. Mm-hmm. I've definitely gotten pick up there for a couple of additional times. So. Okay, well, let's wrap up pizza talk for this week and yep. uh, move on to uh, something about the CFL. We already mentioned this. The CFL is uh, uh, going to be on the ESPN family of networks all year long. Uh, ESPN is going to be carrying all 86 CFL games this season, including the playoffs and the Grey Cup. So we're talking uh, ESPN News, ESPN2, um, ESPN Plus, of course. And like I said, uh, uh, Thursday and Friday night, I was looking for some CFL games. I, look, I think I looked even Saturday and uh, I didn't see them on regular TV. It seems like a lot of times when the season first starts, you know, here it is mid-June, you can find CFL games all the time because there's not that much going on sports-wise uh, uh, other than, you know, the NBA and the NHL. Right. But, yeah, but you can they'll fit in uh, CFL games. But I was just surprised that this first weekend they weren't on actual television. Yeah, a little But they're always going to be on ESPN. Yeah, all the, they got all four games for this weekend already lined up on. I'm looking at the ESPN Plus app. Mm-hmm. You can even go back and watch uh, – some of the games on demand Mm -hmm. so uh well they do a great job of putting together uh like a five to eight minute uh highlight uh segment for every game the cfl does but but espn you can go back and watch the full broadcast of all four of last week's games on Mm -hmm. espn plus so if you miss a game this season you can go back because like shoot they got that thriller we talked about between the uh montreal and Calgary, you know, the nail-biter between the Red Blacks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, yeah. and even the blowout between the Lions and the Elks. So all of those games, are, and they're all around three hours. It's, so. it's so hard to watch a game after it's been played, you know, oh, unless especially when you know game. the score. Unless it's a great game. Yeah, but even so, to sit through a whole How game. How many times? Hold on. We've literally sat through the Lions' first win of the season three times this year. Yeah, it was. Okay, maybe you didn't. Game. I did. Yeah. I watched most of that game okay. with Aaron. Yeah. They had the, the Lions-Vikings game on mm. the NFL Network. Okay. And we, we watched. So I'm sure there's other fans out there who definitely love to go back and rewatch a game, especially if it's a team you love, and especially if it's just a crazy, stinking game where yeah. all those twists and turns. And it's yep. fun to kind of, I think, watch it a second time because then you kind of could see where the tide's turning. You're like, oh, okay, here's the momentum. Yep. And then this is where it all and then changed. Maybe, like even maybe in the moment you kind of felt the air, but I think it's more so the second time. Like, oh, there it is. That was the dagger right there. They don't even know it yet that this yep. is going to hurt them. If that guy had just made that catch, it'd be a different ball game yeah, right so, now. So, I mean, and shoot, I think the actual football players watch these games many times over, you know, or break down all this film. So, yeah. All right. Okay. okay. Well, that's all I had for the CFL this week. Uh, uh, let's see. Arena Football TV on YouTube. Uh, they posted a game from 2000, the Nashville Cats at the Orlando Predators. Eli Gold and Jill Arrington were on the call. Orlando head coach was Jay Gruden. And within the first few minutes, because I always watch the first few minutes, and the, you know they'll have a little intro talking about, oh, no, tonight's game, we're going to feature this and this, and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go to a commercial. And what did they have this week? Uh, John Madden, tough actin to Nacton. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Commercial. Classic. Oh, my gosh. Those were so good. Yeah. And so. foreshadowing to the eventual Arena Bowl that season between the Cats and the Predators. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yes. So, check out those games, too. I mean, those are the kind of games that I will sit through again because they're just they're so fast-paced, so much action. And, of course, you know, you get to, you get to see people like Eli Gold that, you know, to me, he's still the gold standard of uh, announcers for the Arena Football yes, League. And, and Jill Arrington was such a professional doing the sideline reporting. Yep. And, you know, seeing people like like Jay Gruden uh, as the head coach of a team, uh, right. this, that sort of thing. Of course, you know, we were more into the league than other people. But uh, if you want to learn more about the Arena Football League and how great it was, just check out Arena Football TV on YouTube. You will not be disappointed. Yep. T- right. TNN always was my favorite. Yeah, of the yeah. TNN had a lot of uh, a lot of all games. these big ones. Once NBC got them, or if ESPN had them, it just was never the same. It didn't right. feel cared for as much as TNN right. would would. And when when NFL Network got them, those were terrible broadcasts. Yeah. They couldn't wait for those games to be over so they could go back to other crappy programming that they had. And that was I was very disappointed with how the NFL treated the Arena Football League yeah. uh, as far as broad as far as broadcasting go. Okay, today's birthday, June 14th, uh, defensive end Ben Davidson, born on this date in 1940. He died in 2012 at the age of 72. He went to, uh, he played college football at the University of Washington, and he was selected in the fourth round of the 1961 NFL draft by the New York Giants. But he was traded to the Packers during training camp, so he played for the Green Bay Packers in 1961. He was with the Washington Redskins in 62 and 63, and most famously, 
He was with the Oakland Raiders from 64 to 71. Uh, He won an NFL championship with the Packers in his rookie season in 1961, and he won an AFL championship with the Raiders in 1967, uh, and also lost to the Packers in Super Bowl II with the Raiders. Uh, He went on to appear in many TV shows, movies, and light beer commercials. I don't know. You'd probably know him if you saw him. He was Mm. a big, tall guy. He had this really cool handlebar mustache. Mm. He had a voice like this. (laughs) Very distinctive voice. But he was great in those commercials. And and like I said, did a lot of uh, TV and movie acting, too. I think he was in uh, one of the Conan the Barbarian movies with Mm. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, among others. So uh, Ben Davidson, born on this date, uh, June 14th. All right, we do have three obituaries this week. This is where we take a moment and honor those who've made the world of football a better place. The first obituary is that of Rocky Freitas, a tackle in the NFL for 11 seasons. He has died at the age of 76. Freitas played college football at Oregon State and was selected in the third round of the 1967 NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he did not play for the Steelers. Instead, he signed with the Detroit Lions in 1968, and played in Detroit for 10 seasons through 1977. He finished his playing career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1978. After football, Freitas returned to his home state of Hawaii, where he was the chancellor at Hawaii Community College for six years. He was also an administrator at the University of Hawaii for 23 years, as well as the school's athletic director in 2012. His full name was Rockney Crowningberg. Freitas. Mm. It, Rocky was a nickname, but That's yeah. That's a mouthful. I remember uh, watching him play. Uh, you know, like I said, I started watching the Lions in 75. So from 75 to 77, yeah, he was a tackle, keeping Greg Landry uh, up so that he could uh, throw those passes. So, yep, I do remember Rocky Freitas. All right, and our second obituary is that of Don Perkins, a fullback in the NFL for eight seasons, has passed away at the age of 84. Perkins played college football at New Mexico and was selected in the ninth round of the 1960 NFL Draft by the Baltimore Colts. However, the Dallas Cowboys entered the NFL Draft after the 1960 draft took place, and they also signed Perkins to a personal services contract for $10,000. The league honored the contract uh, by making wow terrible writing here i know i just, by making dallas give the colts their ninth round pick in the 1962 nfl draft perkins sat out that 1960 season with a broken foot but played for the cowboys from 1961 to 1968 on september 24th 1961 he became the first running back in cowboys history to rush for more than 100 yards in a game that was against the minnesota vikings uh, Perkins was inducted into the Cowboys Ring of Honor in 1976 and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. Our final obituary to that today is that of Bill Urbanic. He's passed away at the age of 75. Urbanic played college football at Ohio State and was a member of the Buckeyes 1968 National Championship team. He was an assistant football coach as a graduate assistant at Marshall University following the 1970 plane crash that killed most of the football team and the coaches. He then went on to be an assistant coach in college at Northern Illinois and at Wake Forest. Urbanic was also an assistant coach in the pro ranks with the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA-slash-Oakland Raiders in the NFL, the Sacramento Gold Miners of the Canadian Football League, and the New York-New Jersey Hitmen of the 2001 XFL. He also served as a player scout for the Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals. And that's it for this week's obituaries. Uh, anything that we missed? Uh, did you see anything come over on your phone? Uh, no, not really. We are, we are breaking news free as of right now. Okay. Well, then let's uh, move on to this week's history lesson. And this week we tell the story of Niall Kinnick, the only Heisman Trophy winner to die while serving in the military. It is common these days for a Heisman Trophy winner to go on to play in the NFL. But that was not always the case. Halfback Jay Burwanger, the very first Heisman winner from the University of Chicago, never played in the NFL. Neither did the second Heisman winner, Larry Kelly, an end from Yale, or the third winner, halfback Clint Frank, also from Yale. The fourth Heisman winner, quarterback Davey O'Brien of TCU, was the first to play in the NFL. He spent two seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1939 and 1940. 
The fifth Heisman Trophy winner was Niall Kinnick, a halfback from Iowa in 1939. Born in Iowa in 1918, Kinnick was the grandson of former Iowa Governor George W. Clark. Kinnick began attending the University of Iowa in 1936 and was the co-captain of the freshman football team. He played on the Iowa varsity squad from 1937 to 1939, and his senior season was one for the record books. Kinnick set 14 school records on the football field during the 1939 season. He threw for 638 yards and 11 touchdowns, ran for 374 yards, and converted 11 of 17 drop-kick conversions for 41 points. Kinnick accounted for 107 of the team's 130 points that season while helping lead the team to a 6-1-1 record. He also had eight interceptions while playing on defense. At just 5 feet 8 inches tall and 170 pounds, Kinnick was a shifty and elusive runner who earned the nickname the Corn Belt Comet. He was selected in the second round of the 1940 NFL Draft by the Brooklyn Dodgers, but he chose not to pursue a career in the NFL. World War II had just begun when the 1939 college football season began, a fact that was not lost on Kinnick when it came time to accept his Heisman Trophy. In his acceptance speech, Kinnick said that he thanked God that he was warring on the gridirons of the Midwest and not on the battlefields of Europe. After he graduated from Iowa, he stayed on at the school and was an assistant football coach in 1940. He also attended law school there. But a year later, he enlisted in the Naval Air Reserve. He reported to basic training just three days before Pearl Harbor was attacked in December of 1941. Kinnick was training to be a fighter pilot and was assigned to an aircraft carrier, the USS Lexington. On June 2, 1943, during a routine training mission off the coast of Venezuela in the Caribbean Sea, his plane developed an oil leak. He was forced to make an emergency water landing in the Gulf of Paria. His body was never found. He was just 24 years old. Kinnick was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1951. In 1972, the stadium at the University of Iowa was renamed Kinnick Stadium. A few years later, a statue of Kinnick was placed outside the stadium. The statue shows him holding school books, and there is a football helmet at his feet. Today, portions of Niall Kinnick's Heisman Trophy acceptance speech are played before the playing of the national anthem at the stadium that is named after him. College football fans in Iowa will not soon forget the contributions made by Niall Kinnick on and off the football field. Another history lesson where, yep, never heard this story before. Uh, but, I mean, just the, the, the stories of Heisman Trophy winners, you know, range all over the map. You've had some really interesting stuff because, I mean, once you get a prestigious award like the Heisman, the rest of your life or what you do with your life, you know, uh, just – could, it can get very interesting or very sad, and like yeah. you, you've you've run the gamut in terms of finding these stories. I, I want to, you know, commend well, you for like I said, digging uh, these up. And, he was only the fifth person ever yeah. to win the Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, you know, out of those first five guys, only one of them went on to the NFL. The other, so yes, it might have been a prestigious award at the time, but I think the attitude in those days was. You know, I've got better things to do with my life oh, yeah. than to go play professional no, that, football. No, that makes sense. It's a t- totally different world, especially around a world war like that. Right. So, I mean, I get that. But I, I just mean more in context of, like, now what? Uh, the Heisman Trophy's been around for, what, how many years now? 80-something. 80-something years. So that's 80-something Heisman Trophy winners, all with very varying unique uh, success stories or sad, you know, yep. tragic, you know, stuff happens. Like, think about uh, the Express, you know won the Heisman Trophy and just, you know, yep. passed away before he could play in the NFL. Yep. Yep. So just crazy. And, you know, so here's the one guy who passed away while serving, you know, in the military mm-hmm. after winning the Heisman. So, you know, just oh, so many stories and, and the history of the Heisman or what the Heisman's connected to, all these different mm-hmm. interesting stories, you know, fascinates me. I, and so interesting to bring this one. Yep. Okay. Uh, upcoming events calendar. 
Sunday, July 3rd, the USFL Championship game in Canton. Will we be there? I, it's still on my list to grab some tickets. Yeah, uh, you say that every week, and we're going to get closer and closer. And be like, nope, never bought tickets. You know me. I'm a procrastinator. I, I wait till the last minute. All right, uh, Thursday, August 4th, Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton at that same stadium. It's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And on Thursday, September 8th, the NFL regular season begins with an outstanding game, the Buffalo Bills at the L.A. Rams. Man, what what a way to start the the year. What are we, like 89 days away or something now? Something yeah. crazy? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, 90-something. 90-something. 90 or 89 days, something like that. Um, it's right around the corner. You know, the training camps, uh, you know, they've already had their mini camps. Yep. Training camps will be opening, uh, you know, soon, yeah. very soon. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to go to uh, Lions training camp this year, get on uh, Hard oh, Knocks. Oh, yeah, get maybe. on Hard Knocks with your World of Football <laughs> shirts. I'm going to have the uh, the World of Football logo uh, shaved into my chest hair. The, uh, <laughs> the fact that you'd even take your shirt off for this event is what uh, concerns me. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's okay. always so stinking hot it at, is. at these uh they need uh, they need better coverage days. for fans. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, they do have a few tents like behind well, the stands. Behind the bleachers, can, what are you, you doing? Yeah, but the yeah, it, it would really be nice if they had some kind of uh, tents over the bleachers or something. Yeah. To I mean, a lot of fans will will mill around, but not everybody sits in the stands to watch. This guy bring a yeah. big old hat. And... Well, remember, remember the sunscreen this year. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you uh, use. Oh, you know, your brother didn't wear sunscreen last year, and two uh, years ago, two I don't think he ago. went this year. Yeah. All right, so that's our upcoming events calendar, and uh, that's everything I've got yeah, on today's rundown. No, no breaking news as of right now. There's always something that's going to break, like as soon as I click and record. <laughs> yeah. uh, but hey, yep. we'll deal with that next week, I guess. All right, unless it's uh, topical enough to bring out the world of football overtime. We haven't mm. had to do one of those videos in a little no. bit. No, no, we haven't. All right, well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also find our Twitter account, which is a similar address, at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this very podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Our YouTube channel is The World of Football Kalamazoo, so please search for us that way. Go subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, leave a comment on a video, and let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than we do. Until next time, I'm Randy Snow. And I will not give as much effort as he did to say that. (laughs) And we'll see you all next week.